Okay. Praise the Lord. Um, good morning, everyone. Um, it's lovely to be here this morning. Um, we are going to be slightly over time, just to warn you, because we do have to get through the word as well as through Holy Communion. Um, so just be a bit patient. We'll probably run over by about maybe about 10 minutes or so. Um, so hopefully nobody gets too impatient. You really have to go. It's understandable. I'll not take offense at all. Okay, so this morning I am um, delighted to bring the word um, specifically on a topic called the new covenant. The new covenant. Anybody heard about the new covenant? No? Okay. <laughs> One or two hands. Okay, I think... Um, Hopefully, it may be just in passing, you might be familiar with it, but um, it's such an essential topic. So what we're going to do is we're going to preach on it both this Sunday and next Sunday. This Sunday, I'll touch on uh, many of the truths. Of, it's a very big topic, so we'll just touch on some truths, and then next Sunday, we'll have a guest who'll come in and talk more. Um, so um, there's lots of very good stuff in this. Um, that we need to prepare our hearts for and we need to really look forward to, okay? So let me just start by saying this. Um, many Christians and many believers um, today struggle with their relationship with God. If you're honest, um, maybe not right now, but somewhere in the past you probably struggled with your relationship with God. Really, in terms of even just thinking about how do I pray, when you just ask yourself that question, how do I phrase my prayers? Um, how do I approach God? So that's a real issue that Christians have. Um, many people actually struggle with God himself. They really struggle to understand God. Why doesn't he do what I think he should be doing when I think he should be doing it? Um, it I don't know if anybody's ever asked themselves that question. Why doesn't he react the way that I think he should react? Yes, a few honest people. Okay, thank you. Um, and, and, and as well as struggling with understanding God's word, um, many people, if you're honest, when you go through the Bible, sometimes you have lots of questions, more questions than answers, actually. Uh, you see lots of contradictions. Um, when you look at the way that God confronts people, particularly in the Old Testament, it seems to be quite harsh. Um, when you look at the New Testament, there seem to be contradiction. Um, why is there that mix-up? And so one of the reasons, um, and probably the main reason why there is this uh, lack of clarity, I would say, is because there's a misunderstanding or a lack of understanding about how covenants work, about covenants, really, how they work, and as well as understanding the new covenant and the old covenant. Um, so, so if we can get clarity into that, it helps resolve some of this confusion and some of these um, questions that we have in our minds. How do covenants work? And what's the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant? And when you get to know that, you tend to have more clarity in terms of understanding God, in terms of understanding how he works and understanding his word as well. Um, and you can actually see how God is working in your lives. So let me just start with a few basic facts. Um, a few basic truths that really can help us as we, we move into this journey of knowing what covenants and basically how the new covenant works. Uh, first of all, there is a difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. I need to make that very clear. There's a difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. And a person who lives under the new covenant, that is you and me today, we live under the new covenant, 
You should have a different relationship with God from someone who lives under the old covenant. Okay? Are we, are we together so far? Okay, so if you're living under the new covenant, relating to God through the new covenant, then you do have a different relationship with someone who lives under the old covenant. Now, we're going to talk more about what it means for both, but I just want to make that distinction and that clarity, uh, that, that, that difference very clear. You can't operate under both covenants. You cannot operate under the new covenant as well as the old covenant. You can't actually mix the two. And Jesus mentioned this in, uh, in the book of Mark chapter 2. I think it was verse 22. He was talking about mixing old wine and, new, and putting new wine into old wine skins, preparing wine. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a story that made a lot of sense to the Israelites. Um, and, you know, what Jesus basically said um, is that you can't take wine that you've just prepared and then put it to ferment in old wine skins. Because what happens is that old wine skins are fragile. They have already gone through a cycle of preparing wine, so they are very, very fragile. So if you take this new wine and you put it into the old wine skins, as the, old, as the new wine begins to ferment and produce all these gases, they can actually break these old wine skins. The old wine skins were made of skin, actually. That's what they were made of. So um, if they're already fragile and wine is fermenting, it becomes a problem. So you can't take the old and the new covenants and mix them together. So um, to help us remember that we are in the new covenant, Jesus puts in place something that we know as the Holy Communion. That the Holy Communion is actually to help us remember that we are under the new covenant. This is why he says, you know, when he was sharing um, the Last Supper with his disciples, he talked about the cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Okay? So just to make it very clear, you can't mix the two. They are two different things, um, and we need to keep that um, in mind. So what is that covenant? Let's start with that. What exactly is a covenant anyway? Any ideas, any thoughts? Agreement. It's an agreement, yes, I think. That's, that's actually true. That's very accurate. Um, it's, a it's a promise, yes. It's an agreement with promises involved. Um, it, it's actually a very strong and very solemn um, and very serious agreement. Um, it's not the kind of thing you sort of just have a discussion on the streets with someone and you, 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 you agree on something. But this is something really, really serious. In fact, biblical covenants were very, very serious issues. Um, and, and I don't want to go into a lot of the theory about it, but there are certain aspects I want to bring out because they are so relevant in understanding how covenants operate. Um, one thing that you need to understand is covenants are between two parties. As we said, it's an agreement. They're normally between two parties. And when you, when you have a covenant with someone, you are actually bringing two parties together as one. The most famous one that we know is marriage. Okay? Um, and that's why it says when a you know, man shall leave his, his, uh, his home, his, uh, his father's mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one. Okay? So in a covenant, there is this oneness very, very important. Um, it, it is so important that um, I'm just taking an example from the Bible. There's a story that is written in the book of Joshua. 
Um, and Joshua was, uh, you know, Joshua came after Moses. He led the Israelites into the promised land, really um, mighty man, um, and defeated a lot of the, uh, the tribes that were there at the time. Now, when the tribes saw the Israelites coming into the promised land, all these Amorites, Canaanites, and all these other tribes, many of them tried to fight back and, of course, were defeated. Some of them retreated even before their defeat. But there's a group of people called the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites came in with had a very different strategy when it came to the Israelites. They came to the Israelites and they lied to them and they said, um, we are very, you know, we, we, are, we, are, we are really, we want to throw ourselves at your mercy and be part of you. Have mercy on us and so on and so on. So Joshua saw these guys and then without consulting the Lord, he entered into covenant with them and he said, what you can do is you come, we shall be, you shall be part of us, we shall protect you and so on and give you food, etc., etc." Now, later on, they discovered, a few days later, they discovered actually these guys are not as badly off as they said. They actually discovered that these guys had lied to them. And the Israelites were annoyed. They were like, you know, this is terrible. We need to, uh, we, we were told to actually fight off everybody, uh, termin, termin, um, exterminate everyone in the promised land. Um, and these are Gibeonites. They were actually part of the Amorites that we were supposed to, to really get rid of. So we need to get rid of them. And then Joshua was like, ah, 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 we can't. Why? Because now they are part of us. We are in covenant with them. So a covenant brings two parties together so they become one. Okay? Now, <clears throat> the other thing that we need to understand is covenants are not easily broken. Okay? Covenants are not easily broken. In fact, later on, many years later, when Saul breaks a covenant um, that his forefathers had made um, regarding the Gibeonites, when Saul decided to fight and, and really eliminate the Gibeonites, God was really, really mad. And he put a famine on these guys for three years. And he told them, you don't mess with covenants. You don't mess with covenants. Covenants are not easily broken. Um, we mentioned the fact that covenants involve promises or oaths. Many of the covenants in the Bible, when you look at how they are set up, there's normally a promise between the two parties that are involved. God himself promises in, uh, in uh, Psalms 89 verse 34 that he will not break his covenant. And keep in mind that God holds his word above himself. He will never break his covenant. So it involves a very, very serious oath. Amen? Um, um, that's Psalm 84, 89 verse 34. Sorry, just so that we are clear. 89 verse 34. I will not violate my covenant or alter the word that goes forth out of my lips, just to confirm. There's many other things we can talk about covenants, but I want to bring out those three points because they are so, so essential to understanding how covenants operate. Now, why do we need to know this? You see, every time that God decided to walk with someone in the Bible, and even today, he had to go into covenant with them. You see, God loves everyone. Really, he loves the whole world. But to walk in a relationship with God, you have to go through a covenant. So it's important to know and understand how covenants operate. I've mentioned the fact that there are two kinds of covenants, old covenant and new covenant. There are others that came before the old covenant, but I want to concentrate on these big ones. Um, the old covenant was basically based on, um, it was a conditional covenant. The old covenant you see uh, from Exodus all the way up to Malachi, um, was a conditional covenant. It, and basically the way that it was laid out is that if you did what God wanted you to do, what God required, if you kept his commandments, if you were faithful to him, 
then he would bless you. He would provide for your needs. If, on the other hand, you failed to do what God required of you, then you would fall under a curse. That's how the old covenant was set up. Okay, so you receive blessings and provision and all these things if you kept God's commandments. On the other hand, if you failed to keep God's commandments, then, then curses would overrun you, um, diseases would come upon you, your enemy will, have, uh, you know, all these things will, ha- will happen um, that are really not pleasant. So like I said, it's a very conditional thing. Now, the reason I bring this up is because many believers, even today, much as we are in the new covenant, we're supposed to relate to God through the new covenant, many believers today still think like old covenant believers. Why do I say this? Well, many of us think that God will be good to us if we are good, and God will be bad to us if we are bad. And you may not necessarily put it that way, okay? But, you know, when you stop and think about it, how many of us, maybe even now or even in the past, might have thought, you know, you look at a neighbor of yours or a colleague of yours at work or in the classroom or whatever, this person never, ever goes to church. This person never prays, he never fasts, he never reads the word, he's just not interested in God. And he seems to have things going very well, probably happily married, probably has children, very, doing very well, his businesses are doing very well, and here you are. <laughs> you are in church three times a week. You fast and pray, and you've tried every fast, the Daniel fast, the Esther fast. You've even tried the Jesus one. Obviously, it didn't work. You read your word, your word diligently from Genesis to Revelation, and then you have issues and issues and struggles. And so you come to God and you say, really, God, look at the other person. How? Do you know that is actually old covenant thinking? Because you're coming to God thinking you have a good thing going. You're coming to God based on your performance. And you think just because the other person is not performing, then that person is not deserving of God's grace and blessings and so on. And you even tell this to your children. eh? This is not, um, you know, you take it a step further, you tell your children, if you are good today, God is going to give you some good things. But if you are bad, God will withhold some things. Ever done that? Okay, that's old covenant thinking. That really is old covenant thinking. So um, we we need to really move away from that kind of thinking. The reason being that the old covenant actually never succeeded. It was a covenant that failed. And it failed primarily because of man's weakness. First of all, it is impossible to meet God's standards of righteousness, to be able to actually go in front of God and say, I have done everything that needs to be done, and so God, you owe me. That kind of thinking really doesn't work, because no matter how hard you try, you will never really reach God's standard of perfection. And it's not really a matter of you doing better than your neighbor, who's right now probably sleeping, and you're here in church. That's not really the issue. The issue is God's standard of righteousness or of perfection, to be able to actually pull a demand from him. You can't reach that standard. 
So as you see over and over again, if you go through the book of uh, the Old Testament, right from Exodus, where the Old Covenant was signed, all the way up to Malachi, you will see the Israelites trying over and over and over again and failing to meet the demands of the covenants, of the Old Covenant. And then eventually they fall under God's judgment, and with the exception of a remnant few, they become exterminated, really. Now, the good news for us, however, is God relates to us through a different covenant, through the new covenant. How different is the new covenant from the old covenant? Very, very different. First of all, the, old, the new covenant is based on what Jesus has done for you. He has fulfilled all the requirements of the law, and so you can actually receive the blessings that come from the fulfillment of the law. It's really about what Jesus has done for you, not what you have done to deserve blessings. So whereas the old covenant was conditional on your performance, the new covenant is based on faith in Christ, faith in what he has done for us. So when you put your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then your relationship with God is really based on that. It it runs through that. Now, does this mean that the Old Covenant is no longer relevant or the Old Testament or the old part of the Bible is no longer relevant? Um, No, that's not what it means. There's still a lot of lessons we can learn um, by reading through Scripture in the Old Testament. So it is not uh, something that you just throw away and ignore. Um, It's still valid, but we need to know how to read it. We need to read the Old Covenant or the Old part of the Bible, the Old Testament of the Bible, as New Covenant believers. Okay, so for example, if we go to uh, Deuteronomy, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 28 is a a chapter that basically lists all the blessings that existed under the new covenant, the old covenant, and all the curses that existed under the old covenant. Blessings and curses under the old covenant. So we don't just ignore that scripture because we're in the new covenant. We go in, but read it as enlightened people, as people who operate under the new covenant. So Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse, um, let's go straight into verse 2. Okay, because we don't have a lot lot of time. Let's go into verse 2. And then it says, and all these blessings, and please note it is all, all, every single one of these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So that's how an Old Testament or an Old Covenant person would read this. And then they would go through the blessings and think, oh, if I only obey the voice of the Lord my God, then I will get all these blessings. However, a new covenant believer will read this scripture and say, all these blessings shall come upon me and overtake me because of what Jesus has done for me. Do you understand the difference? Okay, so then you start reading the blessings. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter chapter 2, verse 3. Let's go to the next verse. And I won't go through all of them because of time, but I'll just... Um, try and, and, and give you principles of how you read into this. So, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. In other words, because of what Jesus has done for me, I am blessed whether I'm living in the city or whether I'm living in the village. Okay? Then let's go to verse 7. Okay, verse 7. Okay? Um, the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you, they shall come against you one way and flee before you in seven ways. In other words, because of what Jesus has done for me, then the Lord protects me from my enemies. Okay? We go to verse 8. The Lord will command the blessing upon you in your storehouse or in your barns 
and in all that you undertake, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. In other words, because of what Jesus has done for me, the Lord has commanded, the Lord is commanding a blessing upon everything that I undertake. Everything that I undertake because of what Jesus has done for me. Verse 11, the Lord will make you abound in prosperity. Because of what Jesus has done for me, the Lord will make me abound in prosperity. And so on and so on. It really is about what Jesus has done for you. Because Jesus has been obedient to the demands of the law, and so therefore it counts as though you are really um, meeting the requirements of the law. So if you go to the curses, let's jump to the curses. It's also good to, to, to read through the curses because you need to know what you have been delivered from. You really need to know what you've been delivered from. If we go to verse 15, starting from verse 15, so the curses are listed, are listed from Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 28, verse 15, all the way to verse 68. Starting with verse 16. Actually, let's go to verse 16. Um... It says here, cast shall you be in the city and cast shall you be in the field. So the way that a new covenant person would read this is that because of what the Lord has done for me, I am no longer cast in the city and I'm no longer cast in the field. God has redeemed me or delivered me from this curse. Verse 20, the Lord will send you curses, confusion and frustration in all that you undertake to do until you are destroyed and perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds. So this is an old covenant, the, the, the way an old covenant person would read this, that the Lord will send curses, confusion, and frustration, but a new covenant person will say, I have been delivered from curses, confusion, and frustration, and in all that I undertake to do, this is not my portion. Amen? Verse 29. Verse 29, you shall grope at noonday as a blind person gropes in the darkness. You shall not prosper in your ways. That happens when you're under the old covenant. Under the new covenant, you have been delivered from this because of what Christ has done. I am delivered from not prospering. Amen? And so on and so on. There's, there's verse 59, which is um, an interesting one. The Lord will bring on you and your offspring extraordinary afflictions. Uh, verse 59. I want to point out something here. Um, 28, verse 59. The Lord will bring upon you and your offspring extraordinary afflictions. Afflictions, severe, lasting, and sicknesses, and grievances, and all these other things. An affliction is something that continuously and repeatedly brings you pain and sorrow and grief in both your body and in your mind. So a new covenant believer will operate from the basis of when they see all these afflictions in their life, they're like, oh no, what do I need to do to get out of this? But a new covenant believer stands from the point of Jesus has delivered me. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 53, it talks about he was <clears throat> rejected and afflicted on my behalf. So I don't have to go through this. All these curses under Deuteronomy chapter 28 are voided. They are canceled for the believer who lives under the new covenant, including, by the way, generational curses. Amen? Amen. Why? Because Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. So then, what happens if you are going on your day-to-day -day duties and you find all these issues landing in your doorstep? What happens when you wake up in the morning, you're not prospering, sickness and disease is running here, left, right, and center, 
um, people are, you know, con you are confused, you're frustrated. What happens? Okay. Well, first of all, what you need to do as a new covenant believer is you need to remind yourself of what Jesus on, did on the cross. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross, I need, to be re I need to remind myself of what he has done. That's the first point. And there's many other things, but really, we often move away from that. We, we, we try and sort things out ourselves. And we forget that we have this really um, supernatural union with Jesus. So we are no longer under the curse of the law. So we have to stand firm in faith because of that. All right? Um, uh, and then we are also supposed to use our authority as believers. The authority that Christ has given you, we need to use it to rebuke curses, to reject curses, to refuse their entrance into our lives. Don't just be passive and accept anything that comes your way, but learn to aggressively resist and fight back in the name of Jesus. You know, if any of you was to leave here and go home, which we'll probably do in a few minutes, and then you find a stranger has entered your house and is sitting and watching your TV or listening to your radio, and is helping themselves to your water. <laughs> okay, I haven't even finished and already there's a reaction. <laughs> He's using your energy, your electricity to cook his food. You've never seen this person, and the person is in your premises. What would you do? Amen. Yes, I mean, let's not be polite. <laughs> we would, I don't think we'd sit back and say, by the way, that's what's happening in the community. That's what's happening generally in the country. I assure you, even if you're the most polite person in this place, you are going to react aggressively. Okay? And so this is the same thing that we should react with curses. You don't just sit here and say, well, it's the state of the economy. <laughs> well, there's an epidemic. Well, these are the times. These are tough times. You know, God is able, and he has proved himself over and over again, he's able to prosper you in the midst of famine. Even in the old covenant, an inferior covenant to the one that we had, he prospered his people in the midst of famine. He's able to protect you against your enemies. Even under the inferior covenant, the old covenant, he was able to do that. How much more, you who lives under a new covenant, a far superior covenant, how much more is he able to do that? So we need to declare once and for all, any curse that comes my way, that is, not, any curse really has no authority over my life. And in the name of Jesus, you give them eviction notices immediately. Enough is enough. You are under new management. You are under the new lordship of Jesus Christ. You are under a new covenant. They need to get out. Amen? Amen. 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 So we thank God that we are no longer under the old covenant with its laws and curses that are based on our performance, but we are under a new covenant of grace that is based on the fact that Jesus performed and did a wonderful work and fulfilled what was needed. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6 to 12. And these are the promises under the new covenant. The new covenant is really a better covenant with better promises. It is better covenant with better promises. And I want us to go very quickly through Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6 
to 12, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6 to 12. Um, we'll start off with verse 6. Um, and basically what Hebrews chapter 8 lists um, is the things on the promises that we have under a new covenant. It's not as long as Deuteronomy, but it encompasses quite a lot. Verse 6 says, but as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old. Okay? Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old as the covenant that he mediates is better because it is enacted on better promises. Okay? Let's stop there for a moment. The new covenant is mediated by Christ. What does this mean? What exactly is a mediator? What is a mediator? Is it in between? Middle person, a middle person, a negotiator, someone who comes in between two parties in order to make peace or to restore peace and friendship between these two parties. Okay, so let, let me just do a demonstration here. Can I have two people, um, two very young, agile? Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, your name is? Kamawalo. Kamawalo, Okay. And this is Enoch. Okay, so what we're going to do is we are going to do a demonstration of both covenants. Um, we will start with um, Kamalo. Just call me Wolo. Wolo, okay, start with Wolo. So we're going to, um, to, 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 for the moment, just for a moment, brief moment, pretend that Wolo is God. Okay, so he has one party in the, new, in the old covenant. And we are going to look at Enoch as representing us. Okay, so in the old covenant, there were these two parties. And God had his demands, okay? All these things that you are supposed to do. And God is faithful. He is a just God. He's a loving God. He's also merciful, but he's also just. Very clear. So he gives very clear specifications to Enoch, to us. And then what happens? Because of man's unfaithfulness, over and over again, man fails to do what? To meet the requirements. Now, occasionally in the Old Testament, somebody would come in between. The priests would come in between to try and mediate between the two. But the problem with this setup is, first of all, this unfaithfulness that continued over and over again. And secondly, this priest is just as much a man. <laughs> so you really were not too sure whether the priest, first of all, was really organized enough to go in front of God. In fact, they made provision when they built the, the, you know, the ark and they said when the, when the priest would go in front of God, they would make sure, they would say, you know, he would tie a rope on his leg just in case when he comes before God and God really gets mad, this guy could be struck dead. So they would have to pull him out and then send another priest. That's how the old covenant worked. It was really, really tough. Now, under the new covenant, something different happens, okay? So you still have God and you still have man. But now, a different, that major difference in the new covenant is God, okay, so step over here, comes over here and is mediating between himself and himself. You get that? So, so you need to stand as close as possible, so close, exactly. So, so you have this, this union, God as man, aha, uh -huh, thank you, Jesus Christ, God as man, representing man, and he's mediating, come here, Okay, so you drag, no, 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 you don't spat. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh -huh. so he's mediating between himself. Do you, do you get this? Yes. 
and this thing was, was so difficult to understand, and it still is. I, I, you know, I spent, I come to this over and over again. I think to myself, God, this is amazing. When Paul was writing to the Galatians, he, you know, he made the same exclamation. He, he was talking about the mediation that was going on. And in Galatians chapter, chapter 3, verse 20, he says, you know, there is an intermediary between the two of us. But wait a minute. God is one. Okay? An intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. So, so he's mediating between the two of us, and yet he is one. So this covenant, thank you very much, gentlemen. Well done, well done. Okay, so, so, so this arrangement, the, the beauty about it, why it's called a better covenant, because it, is, it really cannot fail. It cannot fail. It is designed not to fail. Jesus is a mediator and he's faithful, really, to meet all the requirements of the law. Secondly, it's mediated by God himself. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 says this. Eh? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 says, and just go to the amplified version because it, it really explains this so well. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. Amplified. Amplified. Okay, there we are. Okay, so it says, it was God personally present in Christ reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself. Not counting and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them and committing to us the message of reconciliation. It goes on to talk about the fact that we are already reconciled. We need to go and spread that message that God has reconciled the world to himself. So we are really ambassadors of that reconciliation message. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Yes, indeed. Let's give him a hand. Hallelujah. It's a better covenant based on better promises, okay? Also, you know, we talked about covenant has promises. So in the old covenant, there were all these promises that were conditioned. In the new covenant, all God's promises are yes and amen. amen. All, all, all God's promises are yes and amen. Okay? Um, verse 8 Let's go back to Hebrews. We are going through a flow. Hebrews chapter 8, chapter eight verse 8. And it says, okay, for he finds fault within them, with, with them. And this is God really talking, um, the writer of Hebrews talking about this new covenant um, and God's relationship with man. He finds fault with them, talking about the, new, the old covenant. And he says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant. So this is the Lord now talking about the new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And it's not going to be like the old covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them. So basically what this is saying is that the new covenant had to be put in place to be established because the old covenant did not work. And the old covenant, as we said, did not work because of the unfaithfulness of man. So I repeat again, and I know this is, um, maybe this might be overemphasizing the point, but really, I, I do believe that people who, here who've been frustrated, you go to God over and over again, um, trying to, you know, get things, trying to get things to work, but actually you've been doing it out of your own performance. You've been calling on God based on what you have done, instead of really focusing on Christ and what he has done. That's the way that we're supposed to relate to God under the new covenant. Verse 10, 
For this is the covenant that will make with the house of Israel after those days, verse 10, okay? This is the covenant that will make with Israel after those days, um, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. So God is promising at this point, okay, under the new covenant, that he will establish his word, his wisdom, his instructions, his teachings in our hearts and in our minds. That was very different from the old covenant. In the old covenant, you had to get wisdom from the priest or the prophet or um, whoever God has assigned in those days. But in these days, God speaks to us directly, placing his words in our hearts. This is why I can stand here and preach, okay, and God specifically takes his word and ministers to you directly in your circumstances, in your season of life, in your challenge. He speaks to you directly. I don't know what's going on in your life, but God does. And he can take his word and minister directly to you. That's under the new covenant. Praise him. Amen. Amen. Okay, then um, still in verse 10, he says, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Remember what we mentioned about the, the covenant. One of the aspects of a covenant is to bring two parties together. I will be their God, they will be my people. Well, under the new covenant, we are in Christ. We are one in Christ. This hand-holding, <laughs> thank you for that inspirational idea. You know, holding, you, you are one. Irrespective of which side you are, you are one. So I'll be their God, they'll be my people. That closeness, the relationship that we have with God is under the new covenant, as a result of the new covenant. When Saul, um, if you remember the story of, Paul, of Saul, when he, before he became Paul, when Saul was going to Damascus and he encountered Jesus, does anybody remember the question that Jesus asked him? Why are you persecuting me? Who was Paul persecuting? The church, exactly. And yet here was Jesus saying, why are you persecuting me? And then Paul asks, just to confirm, who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. So every time you confront your enemies, every time you confront your challenges, they are being directed to, to Jesus. Does that make sense? Yes? Okay. So because you are in Christ, there's this unity that the covenant has brought you. And remember, God is faithful. He is always, always faithful. Verse 11 and they shall, uh, yes, they shall teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, okay, I'm still under the new covenant, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. And this speaks really of intimate, close relationship where we get to know God. God's spirit dwells on the inside of every new covenant believer. So we have the privilege of being able to access God directly, not through a priest, directly, and to know him intimately. We can know his thoughts, we can know his will, we can know his, um, his guidance, we can know his, and experience his love specifically for us. That's a privilege of a new covenant believer. Verse 12, for I will be merciful towards their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. I will be merciful towards the iniquities. I'll remember their sins no more. This is very different again from the old covenant. The old covenant, the sins of the fathers were visited 
on the children up to the up to the fourth generation. So it's your grandson, it's your son, your grandson, your great grandson. And then it continues because now your son also has his son and his son and his grandson. <laughs> and it's a continuous cycle. But under the new covenant, it says, I will be merciful towards their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. Under the new covenant, we get to experience God's mercy in full. And he chooses to remember our sins no more. The blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. And this is mentioned so many times, even in the Old Testament, when the prophets were looking forward to the, new, the coming times of the new covenant, they prophesied this over and over again. In Micah chapter 7, verse 19, he makes a very dramatic um, representation, demonstration of how this works. He says, Micah 7, 7 verse 19, um, it says, I will, he will again have compassion on us. That is, God will again have compassion on us. He will tread on our iniquities underfoot. So this is God stamping on your sins underfoot. He will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. How deep is the sea that your sins have to be buried under the depths of the sea? And Psalm 103 verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so shall the Lord remove our sins from us. Amen and amen. Very, very powerful. And you can read the rest of that, uh, Hebrews. But I would like to stop here, um, primarily because of time. And we, we shall continue next week uh, just learning more about this new covenant, how it operates. What I would like to do as we conclude, I would like us to partake of Holy Communion. Because one of the, uh, one of the challenges that we have as human beings is to keep things in remembrance. It's very easy to forget. Very easy to forget. Just the other day, I was thinking about this. Just the other day, we had a problem in our house. Uh, we normally use solar for some of our equipment that we, you know, we, some of our equipment, mainly the lights, actually, in our house. Um, and uh, we had purchased some batteries a few years ago, and we had, given a, we had been given a very good warranty, uh, five, five years, six years, I think. Um, and normally, when the power goes off, we have power for at least maybe 18 hours. So if the power goes off now, you probably have power until tomorrow evening. And uh, this had been happening, but one time, the power went off, and after a couple of hours, the batteries went off, basically the solar went off as well. So we thought it was a bit strange. The sun had been shining, we had no issues. Um, and then, um, Umema eventually came back, so there was no problem. It happened again, the power went off, two or three hours, the solar basically went off. So still, since we are still under the warranty period, we called up the suppliers of this equipment, and we told them, you know, we're having a problem. You need to come and check your system. So they sent their technicians. They had a look. And uh, they tested the system. And sure enough, they noticed, actually, it was not really supporting or running the way that it should be. Um, and they went and identified, actually, the batteries. It seems the batteries are faulty. And we're like, you know, of course, we went back and forth. Look, this thing is under warranty, et cetera. They said, no, you know, sometimes it happens. We purchase, et cetera. So they tried to get us into a deal where we purchase more batteries. Uh, which didn't sound like a very good deal, and it was, getting to, it, was, it, was, it was getting very frustrating. So then I remembered that I am a New Covenant believer, and I operate in unity with Christ. So if Christ could speak to dry bones, if God could speak to dry bones, and they come to life, and the same God who created the sun with its energy, is able to actually make equipment work. 
So I spoke to these batteries. I said, get, get a life. Because <laughs> I'm not going through this whole process of filling forms, we need to check, da, 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 da. So anyway, it was not really a very long prayer. I didn't even think too much about it. I just basically left it. I said, okay, we'll see. So the next time Umeme goes off. So subconsciously, we had now started learning how to count the hours. Make sure you get the candles, make sure you get the torches, etc., etc. So Umeme goes off, and this was late in the night, maybe around, um, I don't know, eight, nine, and so on. So and normally, by, within two hours, it would go off. So even our security lights, everything would go off. So we went to bed, and then we wake up in the morning, and the lights are still on. And we think, wow. <laughs> okay, now, really, we shouldn't do that because it'd be like, that should, and you know, Jesus never reacted with wow <laughs> to his miracles. He operated the miracles, and if somebody got healed, they're like, yeah, that's, you know, that's normal. But, you know, I thought about it, and I was like, we forget about the power that is resident on the inside of us, the power to change things, the power to transform things, the power to resist sickness, disease, and all these other things that the enemy always throws on our way. And so we celebrate because, you know, initially we thought maybe this is a once-off. So again, Umeme goes off for almost 24 hours, and we had our batteries running for 18 hours, the usual time that they run off. It's amazing. It's really, really amazing. So for me, I, I, the, the, I really, really thank God for putting in place this Holy Communion because the Holy Communion reminds you, reminds me, that you and I together are united to God in covenant. So friends, let's partake of the Holy Communion. Um, the bread and the wine, okay, they're going to split the, the, the bread and the wine so that we have quick um, uh, serving. And as they organize, I want us to turn to Luke chapter 22, verse 19 to 20. So as they organize, Luke chapter 22, verse 19 to 20 says, and he, that is Jesus, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And verse 20, likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, the cup that is poured out, the cup that is poured out. Cup is sim symbolically in the Bible, when they talk about the cup that is poured out, or the cup actually, it represents destiny. When you see the cup mentioned many times in the Bible, it really represents destiny. When, when, when David says in Psalm 23, my cup runneth over, it's not talking about his drinking cup, okay? He's talking about his life is filled to the brim. Okay, so Jesus is talking up about the cup um, that is poured out for you is the, is the new covenant. Your destiny is the new covenant. That's your life, the new covenant, which is sealed or ratified or confirmed in his blood. Okay, so let's partake. Um, each, um, I invite everyone to basically pick a cup and a piece of uh, bread. Um, and we need to come quickly because we are kind of over time. So in this church, what we normally do is we gather together in small groups of two or three, just gather together in small groups, um, and I'm going to think, two, three, four, five groups, groups of two, three, four, five, just gather together. So just very quickly, in your groups, 
Um, just mention one thing that you're thankful for about the new covenant. Just mention one thing you're thankful for about the new covenant very quickly. I'll just give it 15 seconds. Amen. So you may take of the bread as well as the wine at this point. Thank you, Jesus. That when we take this in faith, you remind us of the fact that we are in you and with you. Thank you for the new covenant. Thank you for establishing it in your precious, precious blood. Lord, as we partake of it, we receive the wholeness that you purchased for us. We thank you and we receive the forgiveness that you gave us. We thank you and we receive that healing, both for body and mind. Thank you for all the covenant promises that you established for us through your blood. We praise you and we glorify you. Lord, we thank you that you are our Father, that we are embraced into your family and this fellowship that we have with you and with one another is a fellowship that you instituted and continue to work in us. We praise you and we glorify you. And even as we leave this place, we walk in the power and strength of your grace in our lives. Thank you that we are privileged to know you intimately, day by day. In Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Amen and amen. Okay, thank you. So um, we may take back. Uh, we've come to the end of our service, so you are free to leave at this point. I pray that you'll have a lovely week, and God bless you. Amen.